Greetings in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Sean, and you're listening to The Intersection, not your normal fluffy Christian show. And I thought today we would go kind of back to the the basics, the biblical base. I mean, after all, this is a not normal fluffy Christian show. So we talk about trends. We talk about politics. We talk about everything that pertains to life. But um, today I wanted to get a little Biblical. Well, we always get biblical, but I want to get a lot biblical. And um, just tell you, with everything going on in the world, the corruption, the the sin, the wickedness, the outright evil that we see going on around us, at times when you take this in, I don't know about you, but it can get very overwhelming. When you see the corruption in our justice system, at least we always had the idea that somehow justice would prevail. And we're we're like at the first time, uh, I think, in our country's history where justice is being perverted. But the Bible talks about all that. But justice is being perverted in ways that we 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 are realistically in a banana republic. And when there's not equal, equal application of the law, when the law can be used to, to punish your political enemies, I mean, we're in a really uncharted territory. And sometimes... Believe this or not, even us talk show hosts, we have to turn off the news, turn off our brain, because you can get so worked up and so worried and you can become so anxious that you literally have to just go back to the fact that God is in control. Yes, God is in control. And when you read the end of the book, righteousness prevails. Jesus prevails. The church prevails. So once in a while, we need a little little bit of pick me up we need a little bit of uh we need a little bit of encouragement little encouragement from the word of god and today we're going to talk about first john chapter 4 i'm telling you this poured like oil over my soul i was sitting at my desk in my office just pondering everything going on hard work week it's been a hard work month actually going over all of these different things in business and thinking about the economy and thinking about the political realm and thinking about the injustice system and thinking about all of the craziness going on. And you think to yourself, is evil going to get away with this? Is wickedness going to prevail? Are the evildoers going to win? Is our country going to go down the tubes? Are we going to slide into apostasy? Is the church going to just slide into apostasy? As uh, the scripture says, the Lord looked down and there was none that did good. No, not one. None that did right. And sometimes you can kind of feel the Lord's heart and you feel that way like, wow. And then I just put on some scripture and I was just going through First John and chapter 4 just went over my soul like an oil. Every once in a while we got to get perspective that, you know, the the politics are important because they 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 sort of set the barometer of what kind of life we're going to live but they're not the end all be all and in uh the economy is important because there's certain lifestyle standards that that we we have uh opportunities given to us in this country and you don't want to see them squandered or wasted by by those who couldn't care less and um all of these things attack your mind and then you just let the the oil of the word go over your soul and you say yep now i remember now i remember going to keep the joy of my salvation no matter what happens around me going to rejoice in the fact that i know jesus he saved my soul Um, i'm born again Um, i will be with him in heaven 
either by his return or by my demise. But either way, as Paul said, to be with the Lord is by far better. But First John chapter 4, I want to read a little bit and comment a little bit. We're just going to do a little Bible study today, if that's okay with you. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? When he says, test the spirits there, he's not, it's not some kind of some kind of weird voodoo demonic thing. He's talking about people. Test to see whether or not their message is true, because if not, if not, many false prophets have gone out into the world. And he says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming and is even now already in the world. Now, the Apostle John said the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world 2,000 years ago. Imagine what it is today. So we always hear about this Antichrist going to come, this Antichrist going to come. Well, by the way, the spirit of Antichrist has been here ever since Christ has been here and before. Um, so John says, you know what, don't. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe every person that comes along. You know, there's there's one of my frustrations, even even greater than the political frustrations, are watching the church slide into acceptance of things that 20, 30 years ago we would have not even considered. The the dilution of the message of the gospel, the 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 new thing to deconstruct, basically destroy your faith and come up with another one that's not biblical. Um, they'll still keep Jesus in there. Not not the Jesus, but a Jesus as a sort of center figure. But but um, it's, it's painful to watch even people that I used to know who were solid in their faith now question and begin to, to accept things that were not biblical. It says, you do, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Now there's the encouragement. We're from God, we're his dear children, and we've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. In other words, the spirit that dwells in you, the Holy Spirit, is always going to win over the spirit of Antichrist. It's always going to win over deception. No, it may not have the greater numbers. It may not have the greater numbers as I was bemoaning before, and I think that Brother Ed Bondarenka had commented on that, that maybe we were— Ed and I aren't at odds at very, very many things, but I, I was bemoaning the fact, and maybe I was just in a, a low state, but I was bemoaning the fact. By the way, listen to Ed's show. It's fantastic, Our American Heritage. But but I was bemoaning the fact that maybe we're not in the majority anymore. Maybe this is this is the country now. Maybe this is where people are at. Maybe in, And Ed had kind of said, no, nah, I don't think that's true. I, th- I think we are the majority. You know, so we we kind of, you know, but in, in, I, I, I hope that's true. I hope Ed's right and I'm not. But... The thing is, is that we're going to overcome anyway, <laughs> because greater is he, the one who is in us, than the one who's in the world. In other words, the spirit of God who dwells in us is stronger than the spirit of deception. And I have to believe whether in this this short period of time that we live in now, or well off into the future, or on Judgment Day, truth is going to prevail. Truth, will, as someone wisely said to me, don't worry about the people who are getting seem to be getting away with stuff now, because one day ain't nobody gonna get away with nothing. Ain't nobody gonna get because we're all gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and there's no one's getting away with anything then. So, 
They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world. Isn't that true? And the world listens to them. Amazing how much truth the Bible has in it. Don't don't we see that's true? We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. In other words, the people who are of the world listen to the people. And what that means by of the world, they're from the viewpoint of the world, the non-Judeo-Christian belief system. And they listen to each other. They believe each other. They pat each other on the back. But we're from God. And the scripture says, whoever knows God will listen to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Why do we get so frustrated at the news? Why do we get so frustrated at people who have an unregenerate mind, people who don't believe the scriptures, people who don't believe in Jesus? Of course they're not going to listen to us. In fact, the scripture says what we say is foolishness to them because they are unable to discern the voice of God. And he says, this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. It's that simple. People who listen to the spirit of truth will listen to what God's people say. They will listen to the scriptures. They will listen to preaching. They will listen to teaching. They will agree with the values that God has set forth. People who are from the world will not. They will they will adopt their own viewpoint, which the scripture says is the point of falsehood. And they will believe it, and they will they will spread it, and they will evangelize it, and they will they will proselytize it, and they will persecute those who speak from God. And why are we why are we ever surprised by this? Jesus told his disciples it was the way it was going to be that they were going to hate you and exclude you and despise you and speak all kinds of evil of you because you're a bigot and you're a hater. No, because of me, he said, because of my words. If they've called the master of the house. Beelzebub, how much more his disciples. So it's just refreshing to know that none of this should be shocking and we shouldn't. It's just the way it is. Jesus said it was going to be this way. He said the world system was going to be at odds with the the gospel and with, with Jesus and with the church. And he said that they were going to be ravenous wolves trying to devour us. He said they were going to hate us. He said they were going to persecute us. He said they were going to make up lies and stories and blah, blah, blah. But there shouldn't be surprised. In fact, if anything, it should confirm the fact that we're doing the right thing. We're, our faith is real because 2,000 years ago, these words were penned. And they never ring more true than they did today. Now, verse 7, a little upswing here. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Listen, there is so much bitterness and anger and hatred out there. And no, it's not It's not from Christians being bigots because they have a, a, a biblical worldview. No, that it doesn't make me a bigot because I disagree with someone on sexuality or, or what the Scripture says about righteousness. No, it doesn't make me a bigot. No. The real hatred is out there in the world. And it is... A dark, dismal Jesus said that in the last days, due to iniquity, the love of most would grow cold. Christian, I, be careful, I found my heart getting hardened because of all of this wickedness. It makes you angry. It should make you righteously angry. It should make you want to fight back. It should make you want to vote. It should make you want to be active. I'm not, I'm not discounting any of those things, but it should not harden your heart. It should not harden. Let it be a righteous indignation, one that wants to rescue people. But very easily, I found myself being overwhelmed and just feeling the, just the love of in my heart being squeezed out because of just all around you. It was like when uh, when Peter said that. Uh, Peter said that. Um. Um. um Peter said. 
here I'm getting a little mental blank here, when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it said that Lot was vexed, vexed by all the wickedness he saw around him. Now, in Genesis, it kind of seems like Lot didn't want to really leave, but Peter says he did. Peter says that, that, that Lot's heart was vexed by the wickedness that he was surrounded by. And you can find that that when you're around a lot of wickedness and and, and, and evil and you, you work out there and there's and, and just when you're around that, it can it can harden your heart. It can squeeze your love out. But the scripture says, let us love one another. Let's love our fellow Christian. Let's just go ahead and practice what Jesus said. Everyone who has love has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then he proved it. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we yet didn't have a thought in our mind about God, he died for us. Remember all of those people out there now who are in, who are bound by wickedness, who are who are in these communities that hate God and, and, and hate you and call you names. Remember that deep down inside of them, there is a soul. And the Apostle Paul knows this himself because the Apostle Paul was a wicked man who destroyed Christians, who murdered them, who hated them with all of his being, and yet God had mercy on him. So some of these people out there chanting in the streets, hating on you, hating on Jesus, calling you a bigot, whatever, they may be ripe for salvation. And I know sometimes it seems like, how are we going to reach these folks? They, they, not only can they not stand us or Jesus, but they, they actually think we're evil. They actually think we should die. There are people who actually think that that Christians and, and people who hold Judeo-Christian values are wicked and should die. But God can reach them too. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God, and by the way, this is not the love they talk about. The love they talk about is not love. Real love does not affirm and accept anything. Real love affirms truth. When we love people, even those who are hostile to us, we don't do it. And that this modern church movement about let's get let's get the, the, the people who hate God and hate us to like us. Let's let's try to reinvent our image. Well, no, the image is tarnished because of the message. Not because we're jerks and we're all just, you know, that whole judgmental church people, Christian thing, that's so old now. I mean, I'm sure there's some out there, but for the most part, I think Christians have gone the other way. They have gone, they, they have they have loosened, they have loosened their convictions to a place they are so terrified of being called names that they're literally, literally churches are beginning to affirm things that the scripture does not affirm. And that is not love. Love is not accepting you for who you are. I thank God he accepted me as I was, but he did not accept, He did not lead me that way. He wasn't going to accept me for who I was. He accepted me as I was, come as you are, but you're not going to stay as you are, not when you meet Jesus. He loves you enough to discipline and chastise and mold and encourage, just like we do with our children. So not that kind of love. When they say God is love, that doesn't mean he's walking around with a hacky sack, you know, uh, waving a rainbow flag, affirming everybody's feelings about themselves. No. When I first came to Christ, there was a lot of stuff in the Scripture I didn't like. There was some sin in I was doing that I wanted to justify, but I had, to, I had to accept that God's ways were better than my ways, and it wound up in the end it was. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God. No, we sure didn't. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen to that. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You know, Christians, our greatest witness is how we treat other Christians. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love one for another. You know, we're a small tribe. We're a small tribe. We should probably stick together instead of throw each other under the bus, instead of instead of betray and hate one another, like Matthew 24 said what happened in the last days. We need to stick together because if you haven't noticed, there's not a lot of people on our sides. And it makes me sad when a pastor falls or a Christian falls and the rest of the community is just right there to, to eat him up. No, cover him. Get him into repentance. Restore him. Because, man, if it wasn't, we can, get a, we, can get a little, we can get a little haughty over time after forgetting where we came from. We need to remember the grace that was shed on us from where we came from and have that same grace for one another. No one has ever seen God. Now, this is profound. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He's saying no one's seen God face to face, but when you love one another, God shows up. You're loving God by loving one another. You're loving God by loving the least of these. We're loving God by we're treating Christ the way we treat our fellow brothers and sisters. This is how we know we live in him, in him and him, he and us. He has given us of his spirit. Whoa, isn't that powerful? We know that, that he is in us and we are in him because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. You know, all them folks hating Judeo-Christianity and hating Jesus and hating, uh, you know, if they only knew. They only knew how much God loved them that he sent his Son into the world to atone for their sins, their sins that they're committing right now. If they only knew that, if their eyes could only be be open, but the Corinthians says that the second Corinthians says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers unless they could perceive the glorious gospel of Christ. In other words, they would be blown away if they could just get their hearts open and realize what God has done. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we and so we know and rely on the love the love God has for us. Again, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Man, this is just warming my heart up. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. Wow. We are presently the ambassadors of Christ. We're the called out ones, the ecclesia. That's what the church is. The, the church, in fact, the word church isn't really found in there. That's sort of a, a later, it's the ecclesia, the called out ones. The called out ones. And if we love like this, we have confidence in the day of judgment because we are in this world, we are like Jesus. You know, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. I know a lot of Christians say, well, oh, don't look at me, look at Jesus. I'm not like Jesus. But you are, by the Spirit of God, being sanctified and transformed every day to be more like Christ. I love this verse 18. There is no fear in love, 
But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And when you're a Christian and a believer, you don't have to fear the wrath of God. Jesus took the wrath for you. You don't got to drink from that cup because Jesus drank the cup for you. You don't have to be punished eternally for your sins because Jesus took your punishment at the cross. He took your punishment at the cross. There's no more fear. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear life. Fear anything. Because when you're in Christ, you're secure. Your salvation and your destiny are secure. You know, I can tell in my life when I'm starting to fall back into fear because worry and anxiety sinks in and and, and you know, worry about the, the elections, worry about the economy, worry about business, worry about all these, worry about my family, worry about my grandkids. Those are all those are all concerns we can have and we need we need to we need to fight to make sure that 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 they live in a world that that is uh reflective of the blessings of God. But then I remember the love of God and it drives out all fear that no matter what happens here, no matter what happens here, if you know God, if you are in Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, you're secure. Life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor angels, nor demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And amen to that. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, there's a divine insecurity we can have. If you are afraid, if you're a believer, you should fear God in a reverent way, but you don't have to be afraid of God anymore. He is your father. He'll discipline you. He'll love you. He'll encourage you. He'll, he'll do all of those things. But Christ has taken away that fear of wrath. And when we become afraid, we become worried about our standing with God. It's showing that we're really not being made perfect in love. I mean, how much more can God prove his love for us? He gave his only son. Yeah, we screw up. We sin, but... Those are no longer salvation or punishment issues as much as correction and sanctification issues because we belong to him. We love because he first loved us. Listen to this. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. You can't love God but hate people. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Wow, is that profound. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Church, it is time for the believers, it doesn't matter what's going on out there, to love one another. Because by it, we experience the love of God. Some of my, my the times that I've experienced God's love is when I was doing something for someone else. Loving somebody else. Helping somebody else, encouraging somebody else. And then, man, I just felt the love of God pour over my life. You know why? Because God loves it when his children get along. If you're a parent, if you've been a parent, you know that when the children are acting up and fighting, and, and, and it is just a miserable time. But when the children are getting along, it makes your heart happy. When the kids are playing together and they're getting along and everyone's in harmony, it makes your heart happy. Let's make the Father's heart happy and love one another. Until next time, this is Pastor Sean. May God richly bless you. We're the bad news. We're the young guns. We're the ones that they told you to run from. Yeah, the player's gonna play and the hater's gonna hate.